what is up everybody we're gonna get into the whole not recording thing i'm not gonna sit here and apologize for not recording i couldn't record so fuck off how about that fuck off on today's pod real simple um tell y'all what's going on with me um and then really we're just gonna get straight to the nba preview i think there's it's just a lot of fun to do for me. I just I just love talking about the NBA. NBA is right around the corner on Tuesday. And I can't wait. And guys, I am back. We're going to have weekly uploads. We're going to do a lot of stuff, man. So sit back. Get ready. The boy is back. Enjoy the pod. <laughs> Oh, baby, the king is back. I'm back. I don't have my teeth in. I do not care. I do not care, man. So what is up, everybody? I'm back. So let's just let's just get into it, right? Where you been, Hunter? It's been months. <clears throat> this isn't one of those, guys, I apologize for not recording. I'm going to keep it a bean and kind of leak out some of my personal information. Okay, right. I've already gotten my identity stolen. What's what's another couple people knowing my shit? So basically, when I told you I was moving back to Texas, I was and I did. I had I had some people fall through on me. I'm not talking about my friends. I'm not gonna mention people, but not my friends. Uh just people I you should be able to rely on, y'all getting the the message here. And they kind of fell out on me, you know. So I ended up staying with Nia at her mom's house. Um, it was weird. It was odd. I did not like it, but I needed a place to stay. So I had no choice. I even, I mean, guys, I I went through the ringer when I first moved here, man. I mean, now we have an apartment and shit. This is also, I got the guest, the guest star Rue with me, my dog, but it was just hard. I even fucking stayed at an extended stay hotel in the hood, like, and if you know me, I'm not saying in the hood like I'm not used to being there. And if you know me, it's not like I'm I was in the trenches growing up. Um, but I do. I was born in Texarkana, so like seeing roaches and shit ain't a big deal for me. Um, seeing a lot of dope fiends on the side of the hotel is not a big deal for me. I've seen that shit growing up. Um, but yeah, I just like went through the motions of getting my shit together for a good month and a half, two months. And we finally did it. And I got moments. Why is this bitch crying? Sorry, dog had to go out random cut. But yeah, that's why it's just been kind of rough, man. I mean, I, that extended stay was not a good experience, man. It wasn't, but I toughed it through. And here I am. And yeah, I'm going to be much more consistent with my shit just because I have to be in my eyes. And I have my own timeline and all that shit all right just let it be known i'm here to stay but through all this it's made me and Nia a lot stronger but have y'all ever had to move with a woman fam there is no way there is no way that is not the biggest hurdle you have to get over like if you survive moving i've moved with this girl three times bro this shit is horrible it starts out nice, like, you know, you get the motivational speech about how it's a new beginning. Oh, it's a great new start for us, our own place. 
and we get to have much more sex. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Bro, an hour into the move, it's like the woman, the woman wants you to, to take direction, right? Like you got to be the leader. You got to be the leader of the move. Yet when you try to make your own decisions, right, it turns into, nah, don't do it that way. And then she's saying, I'm not getting enough help, but don't do it that way. I'm trying to help you. Hey, babe, do you want me to quit? Why do I? You're a grown man. Why are you asking me where to put a box? Last time I just tried to put a box 32 seconds ago in that spot, you said, why are you doing it that way? So now you have already knocked me for my intelligence. You, you're trying to say I'm stupid already without saying it, right? You're already saying it. I know you're hungry. You had not had nothing to eat. We've been moving for a while. All right, I get it. I'm hungry too, but now I just sit in silence. And then when you sit in silence, you know what the woman is doing? It's almost interesting as their their partner in crime, as their relationship partner. Like you see them deteriorate mentally through the move. Mostly when you're moving with like one of their friends, her mom was there. Like she's just deteriorating mentally. It goes from She's chilling with the move to losing it. Going Hulk mode into the point where she, guys, this actually happened. We have the entertainment center, all right? I'm a pretty strong dude. I'm not strong to the, the Landon Holyfield standard of strong, like pro athlete strong. Um, but I'm a pretty strong guy. I'm big. I can lift these things like an entertainment center that's made out of wood. Dude, when I tell you it's a pretty, it's a struggle to grip it, right? It's a struggle to grip it if I was doing it solo, like pick it up. It's really awkward. It's a rectangle, so you can't really grip it from either side. Nia got so pissed at one point, her friend goes, you need to move that entertainment center out and put all this in, right? Nia grabbed this fucking entertainment center and just lifts it up over her head puts it down outside of the U-Haul. Picks up a fucking laundry basket full of shit. It was heavy as hell. Picks it up one-armed, throws it in the U-Haul. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. You know, we got some tears in there. She was letting it out. And then it gets worse. We get to the apartment. This is all at the fucking storage we get to the apartment, and guess what happens? Apartment's dirty as hell, filthy. And it's it's not the nicest apartment ever, but I just lived in Baton Rouge, okay? Deep in the trenches of Baton Rouge, all right? This apartment is much nicer than that apartment. We come in, and it's dirty as hell. There's holes in the back of the cabinets. We're like, yo, what the fuck? Now I'm going, damn, we just got here. She's about to be pissed. Immediately, body language shifts. Head goes down for her. Me being a guy, bro, you give me a mattress, a TV. Like, you give me my own space. I am chilling, bro. I will vacuum the shit up. I'll clean the counters off. I don't give a fuck. But this apartment was fucked up. I was actually in unison with her this time. And I'm always taking my girls back, but there's a difference, bro. You're going to take your girls back knowing she's wrong, but you're still with her. This is different. This is me having her back and agreeing with her. 
right? Because women are so oblivious and okay with being an inconvenience to people. I don't know why they are. Like, if you fuck up my food at a restaurant, I could order a steak burrito with only rice and beans, and you could give me a chicken burrito with every topping you have. And I'm just going to go, well, I'm going to pick all the shit off that I don't want. I don't care enough, right? I don't care enough to give a fuck to go like, hey, man, y'all messed this up. I'm already out of line. I'm not going back in line. There's no need. It's food. It's edible. I'll eat it. If that happened to Nia, she's in there asking for a fucking percentage of the company. Now, 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 customer service is the base of a company that makes it successful. And you need to realize what you've done to me is an inconvenience to me. What am I going to do with these 20 minutes? Like, fam, shut up. Not Nia. Whoa, just women. Shut up with that. That's even worse, probably. Just let it go, dude. Yeah, your tenders aren't extra crispy like you asked. Are they chicken tenders? Are they raw? No, let's go the fuck home, man. Let's go home. So we get to the apartment. It's bad. So we had to switch. We had to switch apartments after a week of living in the other one that wasn't ready. So now we're finally settled in, man. That's all I had to say. We're finally settled in, and I'm here. I'm gonna be making videos. And today is the the NBA day, right? I'm gonna eventually come with a schedule. I think on Wednesdays I'm going to do fantasy football videos, and then Mondays and Fridays I'm gonna be doing. Um, NBA videos with clips in between, obviously, right? So just expect that. And yeah, man, let's get right into the NBA preview. Let's rock. Okay, to start off the NBA preview, guys, yo, we are talking about the Western Conference, and you have to start with the defending champs. I will show them their respect. You know what I mean? I'm going to show them some respect. Now, they go and lose Jeff Green. They lose Bruce Brown. And I think those are bigger losses than people think mostly the the Jeff Green loss that was a stretch five you could plant right behind uh, Nikola Jokic and they lost Thomas Bryant Thomas Bryant dude it's not about yo is Thomas Bryant a great player in the playoffs it is about throughout the regular season the reason they can hold the one seed is because they have certain nights where guys can come in step up and ball out this year they are limited with that now, it is shown what they believe in Zeke Naji or that they believe in him because of the contract he just signed. What, two days ago? Four years, $32 million. I didn't even know this guy existed. I didn't. And you can tell with DeAndre Jordan being your only other option, they got to rely on this guy. That's why they gave him the contract. That's why it's a four-year deal, and he's going to be planted right behind Jokic. Am I saying it's going to be a long stretch of 20-minute runs for this guy? No. But I'm saying the drop-off with Jokic off the floor is massive. <laughs> and you need something to hold it down. And I know that's what my, my whole thing is throughout the whole year. But I just don't think they have that depth at center position. But you don't need it when Jokic can play 40 minutes a night. I'm not saying, saying it's a big flaw. I'm saying it could bite them towards the end. And mostly without the backup point guard and Bruce Brown, I think they have to make a move for a veteran guard. That I mean, you're looking at Reggie Jackson? That's who you're looking at. You're looking at Reggie Jackson 
to be your backup point guard. I do not want to sign up for that if I am the Nuggets. You're going to throw him in there, let him do his thing, and by game 15, you're going to be like, yo, make a move. This isn't going well. Another thing we're going to have to see is the a Christian Brown jump. I don't mean defensively, because he's going to be relied on very much on this team. He is going to be relied on a lot more than he has in the past. Okay? That's just a fact. And he's got to step up offensively, not defensively. With Bruce Brown, I know, backup ball handler, I think those are very important, by the way. Those are very important. That's why teams like the Celtics were always dangerous when they had that. When they had that backup point guard option. Most of the good teams in the NBA have really good backup point guard options. That's just a fact. You have to have a guy who can step in for the starter and fucking handle the rock. And Christian Brown just has to make that jump because he's going to get extended minutes this year. He's going to be playing more than, way more than he did last year. And he came along as a defender and kind of a, a slashing forward. But at the end of the day, they're going to need more because Bruce Brown was 40-plus percent from the three-point line. He could come in and give you 18 to 20-some nights. I'm not saying it was consistent. I'm not. But every point Bruce Brown scored, it was like you felt it. Every shot he hits is nothing but net, it feels like. All right? I still think Denver is a contender, and I will I will right now predict him to go to the Western Conference Finals. When I'm talking about flaws, it does not mean that it will restrain them from getting to the ultimate goal of winning a title. I'm just looking at little things like, there has to be a move made there, no? With the guards, with even just some depth with big people. Aaron Gordon is over here with Conchar as your backup. Like, we don't, you're not going to be able to use that in the playoffs. There's going to have to be moves made. Michael Porter Jr.'s health is always in the air. And that's why I think that Christian Brown jump has to happen. Because I think Michael Porter Jr. is kind of underappreciated. Because when he's in the lineup, you have three shot makers, like top tier shot makers. He's 6'11", can shoot from 30 feet. Like, he's that dude. Michael Porter Jr. is a really good player. I think you're going to see some fall off with the Nuggets throughout the regular season. And that's about it. Because I think after you win a ring, you're so desperate to get the next one, you're going to see them sit some guys some nights. You're going to see them give up to some, like, give up losses to some bad teams, in my eyes, because that shit is real. All right? I'm not saying they're going to be ass. I think they can win the title this year with those two, Jamal and Nicola. They still got the same starting five. I think role players get underappreciated and not in as a whole. I think individually they bring elements to teams that we underappreciate in the moment until it happens on a big stage. And that's my take with the Nuggets. So number two, Phoenix, another contender. There's some issues here. Yes, KD, Bradley, Bill, and Booker are disgusting. Bradley, Bill is your third option. It's crazy. And we saw last year in the playoffs, their real problem was they had a Kogi, DeAndre Ayton, and Chris Paul on the floor at the same time. They were literally leaving Chris Paul wide open. And he wouldn't shoot because he couldn't shoot. 
DeAndre Ayton is a mentally checked out basketball player. So that is as horrible as I think Yusuf Nurkic is. As bad as I think he is, I still think that is addition by subtraction alone, not having that pouty fucking mess on your team. That alone, them getting Frank Vogel, where every stop Frank Vogel ends up at, what happens? Improvement in defense. And that's what they need. I don't think they're going to show up and play defense better individually. No, but the team's scheme is going to be much better. When Frank Vogel won the title, the whole year, LeBron missed, AD missed. It did not matter. The Lakers' defense did not move from top five in defensive efficiency. It didn't move. And I think we're going to see a lot of those components come into play here. And the way Frank Vogel coaches, how he has his lineup set up, almost every place he's gone to, they've had bigger guys that can't shoot. That's kind of how he wants to coach. He wants long, lengthy teams with big guys. So he can lock people up if the offense ain't flowing. Do I think this team takes a big leap in defense? I don't know. I don't know. Do I think they have a lockdown defender? Fuck no, I don't. People always talk about KD's defense. Listen, man, I'll say it for the hundredth time. Golden State, he played fucking playground ISO basketball the whole game. Yeah, he's going to lock in on defense, man. That was, what, two to three years of his career? People acting like he's a fucking lockdown defender. That's their best perimeter defender, arguably. Devin Booker fights. He's just a little undersized. Bradley Beal, he has played defense, what, like, like it doesn't have to happen. Like that's an option. I could for his whole career. Josh Kogi, a guy that can't shoot. How often is he going to be on the floor? Mostly when you add guys like Eric Gordon, a veteran three-point shooter. Wanson Nabe, a straight sniper. Grayson Allen, a sniper. And their lack of depth down low, and I would even say depth, their lack of talent down low is going to be demoralizing. In my notes, I put Lakers versus Warriors every game. Everybody is just going to put their head down and try to get in the paint on this team. Nurkic ain't going to stop you, and if he doesn't and he fouls out, all you have is Drew Eubanks to worry about? Bowl Bowl maybe? Like, what are we talking about here? And another thing, this is like Clippers light, right? This is Clippers light. KD is going to miss games. His health has always been in the air since he tore his Achilles. Bradley Beal, he has voluntarily missed games just because. Remember when he got that, uh, was it a shoulder surgery? It seemed like he was using the shoulder surgery after the contract to get a trade off. Do you remember that? When Dinwiddie came over, I think it was a couple years ago, he like intentionally waited till he got his contract or until the season was up and he got his shoulder surgery. And then Devin Booker missed some games last year. I'm not really worried about D-Book, to be honest, um, because he didn't miss much. He missed, like, in the grand scheme of things, he missed a lot, I would say. But overall, you're like, ah, it kind of seemed kind of fluky. But all their health is up in the air. And I think there's just little bitty holes in this team. The perimeter defense. I'm not really worried about their depth because, once again, 
alternate those guys out. Brad, KD, Book. Do I think their regular season will be a little underwhelming? I absolutely do because I think they have to sit some of these guys. They have to tell D-Book, well, he's going to be the one to carry, honestly. They're going to have to tell Bradley Bill to sit down. They're going to have to tell KD to sit down. They're going to have to. But I think they did make some good moves with Watanabe, Eric Gordon, Grayson Allen. Like, you're bringing in snipers for the iso ball. That's all you need, man. You need some guys that can shoot on the bench lineup. Yo, Bradley Beal's going out. And uh, who else? Akogi's going out. Okay, cool. Let's throw in Grayson Allen. Let's throw in Watanabe, who's a bigger guy. There's going to be a lot of small ball lineups here. Like, I think it would be interesting if they put KD at the five. And you may go, hey, he wouldn't handle himself down there. You're right. But how many, how many teams have centers that can actually score? Bigger guys that can score. Just overall, who has a 6'11 guy that's going to post you up? Maybe five teams? Maybe? And score consistently? Maybe five. Because what happens is most of the time that people go small, everybody wants to talk about how the guy, like a KD, for instance, is a mismatch for the other side. But you know what usually happens is it throws you out of your offensive groove. Like if you're playing against the Warriors and you put KD at the five, yeah, they're going to feed Looney because that's the Warriors. They're going to say, Looney, get your ass down there and throw it in there. But any other team that isn't used to just dumping it down to the post and they're used to running? Like, for instance, the Grizzlies. Are they going to sit there and dump it to Steven Adams the whole game? I would think not. <laughs> I would think not. And then it's going to get you out of your groove if you're feeding it into Steven Adams. He's not scoring, but it's the only mismatch. But now everybody out there is quick. They're covering two guys at once on the pick and roll. When you think you have a two-on-one, it's really a two-on-two. You don't even see it. That's what I'm saying. It gets you kind of out of your groove more than it does become a mismatch in my eyes, if you understand what I'm saying, okay? And I still think Phoenix is going to be a really good team. I think they're a contender, absolutely. I think they are. This is the fun team, the Grizzlies. Why are the Grizzlies 28-14 and 14 with Steven Adams? And then when he doesn't play, you're 23-17. and 17. This, this makes no sense. At all. All right. Steven Adams should not be that much of an impact guy. But I really think the problem was, from my eyes, was, yo, when Triple J gets into foul trouble, there's nobody to go to. You know what I mean? When our back line is in foul trouble like he was a lot of the nights, there's nobody else to be back there to go to. So now you just got free reign at the basket. And mostly with the tempo that the Grizzlies go to, man, you're going to have a fucking layup line there. They're top two, top three in pace, I believe. Like, they want to get out and run. So, Jaws missing 25 games. This is the funny part. Y'all know where I'm going with this, right? Who's the closer? Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, dude. Like, bro, what? Because you know what's going to happen. We saw him on the court with Tatum and Jalen Brown. What? Two minutes left. Up by two. Jab, jab, three. Like, what are we doing? That's what you're going to see. And I don't know how long the other players can take it. Like, Desmond Bain's going to be looking at him like, hey, bruh, give me the fucking rock. 
that's the whole thing through the first 25. Do I think they're going to have a decline to the point of, oh my God, they're eight and 17? I would highly doubt that unless there is a big group of injuries that happen for them. But other than that, I could totally see them being an 11 and 14 team, a 12 and 13 team. And I think if you end up like that with John missing 25 games, you're kind of happy. But when you look at the numbers without Jaw, great team without Jaw. They're totally fine without Jaw. Yes, Tyus Jones is gone. And now your backup point guard is who? Once again, Marcus Smart, dude. Not a good look. He is not a ball handler. He's supposed to be the Dylan Brooks of this team who can actually make a three-pointer. And that's the thing. I think Marcus Smart is a good basketball player. I don't think he's trash. I think in his head, in the clutch, he thinks he's Kobe for real. And he's not. And I want to know how real the Steven Adams effect is because we had a large sample size last year, 40-plus games, right? Close to? Yeah, 40. Exactly 40 games. And they aren't the 50-win pace team that we see. They're not. They're a 45-win team without them. And in the West, that is the difference between a top four seed and the fucking play-in. Four to five games, that is that big of a difference. And to me, if they're fully right, I think they go and beat the Lakers. If you want me to be honest, I think they beat the Lakers. I thought they were going to come in, just show how talented they were against the Lakers, and they end up not because you can't rely on Brandon Clark and Xavier Tillman out there on offense. You can't. And yes, I do know that Brandon Clark tore his Achilles. I understand that. I'm just saying in a general sense. And Brandon Clark was somebody they relied on. Because everybody remembers the, the Timberwolves series where he was getting all those offensive rebounds. It was great. Everybody remembers it. Um, but yeah, I think that's why the Grizzlies are very interesting, man. I mean, Jaw wasn't in there all last season. They were second in defensive rating, fourth in net rating. They're, they're a really fucking talented team. And Luke Kennard was a great addition. They needed that. They needed a sniper. And I think he's going to work his way back into the rotation. I know he's a guy you can absolutely destroy off pick and rolls. But once again, with the back line of Triple J and Steven Adams, that really doesn't matter. It doesn't. So I think this team is going to be a very good team again. I think they're going to be good, and I think they're going to be in the contender talks and all year. Do I think they can win a title? I don't know, man. That's going to be a wait-and-see team for me because I do think, once again, they're young and talented. We're just going to have to see how it works out. All right, this is a team that over the past few days I heard a really stupid opinion about. Um, the Mavericks, let's just talk about it. They have given me nothing to give them credit for right now. And they still have Kyrie. They have Luka. That is a dynamic duo. And what I think that we're losing is I thought it was the opposite. I thought Luka was going to be great off the ball when, in fact, we should have known that Kyrie, I should have known, excuse me, that Kyrie almost prefers to be off the ball at this point. I think he's always preferred to be off the ball. I think he loves being the star of the show, but Kyrie is so dynamic off the catch. Because guess what? Off the catch, you're going off pure reaction from the defender and you have the defense already moving and you can read right off rip. And if you give that to a dude with the IQ of Kyrie and the moves in the bag of Kyrie, you're in for a fucking long night. 
Because I'm not saying Kyrie can't handle the ball or be a point guard. I'm not saying that. I think he prefers to be a shooting guard type of guy, a catch-and-go type of guy. I think the issue here is, one, it was random with Josh Green. I was looking at his minutes log, and why was he not getting any minutes towards the end there? And I know they were tanking, but, bro, come on now. Josh Green was showing that he could play basketball. Luka was sitting. Josh Green showed up and balled the fuck out. Now Tim Hardaway's back in the mix. I don't know about his health. His health has always been a red flag as well. Then you're you're saying that y'all the fans are begging for Derek Lively to get some minutes. This O-Maxi guy to get some minutes. I'm not going to try to say his name. O-Max, whatever they call him. Dude. You don't want that. I know th the fans are hyping it up. Young players, you're hyping up the young players. Guys, if you're relying on two rookies in your night-to-night -night rotation, your team is going to be dog shit. Even with the talent. I'm not talking about lottery pick, but dog shit to expectation. You have two of the top 10 players in basketball. You should not be relying on rookies in your rotation. What championship team? other than the one we just mentioned, the Nuggets, had rookies in their rotation. Mostly, dear, this lively kid, this lively kid doesn't know when he's three feet to ten feet from the hoop. In college, he was a incompetent offensive, not usable offensive player in college, being the tallest, most athletic guy on the floor every night was not useful whatsoever in college on offense. Bro, but the lobs, I don't give a fuck about the lobs. Because when it comes down to it, they're just going to cut off the lobs. Yes, he is a decent rim protector. Do I know if he's a, a NBA-level rim protector yet? No. I saw a fucking training video of him for a minute 30, and he went like 6 for 90 on hook shots right under the basket. And you want to rely on that? No. No, no, no. They bring in Seth Curry. They have Jaden Hardy, who everybody's expecting this breakout season. I think Jaden Hardy is cold as fuck. I don't know what a breakout season means because that's limited considering who those first two guards are. Those guys are going to have to play 40 minutes a night for you to get into the play-in. And I still think they will make the play-in just off those two guys alone, man. They bring in Derrick Jones Jr., who has improved at three-point shooting, still not a good shooter. He's an athletic, versatile defender. He gets bullied by bigger players, but he is good on smaller guys. You bring in Grant Williams, who I think is a massive add because they lose DFS, which I think this brings the DFS element to your offense still, a guy that can sit in the corner, shoot 40%, defend the best player on the floor. I love all that. I do. I just don't know the direction of this team. And you can scream at the screen, Derek Lively is a difference. He, I don't know if he is. I've never seen a rookie come in with two elite players and just be one of the reasons that they jump to another level. I've never seen it. Outside of the top picks in the draft, I don't know if I've ever seen that even. And this is the thing about Luka. This is where the questions will come in this year. If it ain't what we've seen in the past, where you get to the second round or you're not struck. 
excuse me, you're not struggling that much in the regular season. There's just some ups and downs because of Luca's play. We're going to start questioning if Luca is James Harden. Can he play with another star? Why would stars want to play with Luca? He's shown success without other people, but with another star, a full season of Kyrie, will he? I don't know. I do like the Seth Curry uh, pickup. Seth Curry's a little bit older now, but I still do like him. I still love his three-point shooting. I love him being your, your second shooting guard. I love him being an option on offense, and him and Luka worked very well together in the past. I think there was a lot of revolving, rotating pieces. It was a really weird year for the Dallas Mavericks last year. And once again, I was giving hypotheticals of what we're going to talk about. I think if you look at the, the Mavericks as a whole, you go like, yeah, they did have a lot of rotating pieces last year. Tim Hardaway didn't play. Josh Green randomly steps up. Then they throw him to the side. And then all the Mavericks fans are going to blame Jason Kidd. That's fine. I would blame something else other than my best player too if my best player was that good. Luckily for me, I don't have the, the luxury of going, yo, my coach is bad. My coach stinks because I have Eric Spolster as my coach. So that's just the interesting part of the Mavericks. Somebody out there is whispering, you're going to talk about Dante Exum? What? Please, man, fucking please. To the next team, Timberwolves. Uh, T-Wolves are a good team, man. I. It's hard for me. And it's not just because I'm so anti-Gobert. I'm, I'm anti-guys who can't do anything on offense and who aren't versatile defenders. I'm anti-that at the center position. Look at all the other centers, right? Is Sabonis a good defender? No, he is a negative defender. But guess what Sabonis can do? Give you a 25, 13, and 7. He can give you that. Rudy cannot. Bam Adebayo, versatile defender, can score. Joel Embiid, don't need to talk about it. Nikola Jokic, don't need to talk about it. At this point, I'd rather have a specialist like Clint Capella than a Rudy Gobert. Like, because Rudy with the contract, with the trade, my God, that trade. We're going to be talking about that for years. For real, guys. Years. Like, we're going to, like, books are going to mention, like, Top five, top 10 worst trades ever. Rudy Gobert trade is going to be right at the top. All right. And then their lineup, their team is nice. Like if you look here at the at the depth chart, you got Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards, who I think is going to be one of the best players in basketball. Jaden McDaniels, Carl uh, Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert. Then you got Nas Reed off the bench, a sought-after free agent, by the way. Kyle Anderson, Troy Brown Jr., a dude who's played in the playoffs. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who, I, who I've always liked since he was with New Orleans. I always talked about him like, yo, when is this kid going to get a chance? And then Shake Milton, a really good bench scorer who can kind of get off the rails here and there. But their team is good. I don't know. Once again, it, it panned out last year. The, the Cat and Rudy Gobert thing is not going to work. It's not. And you know what the problem is? You can't trade Rudy at this point. As that GM, you cannot trade Rudy. You know why? You're never going to get back close to in return of what you gave up. And you are admitting defeat. You are giving up your job 
honestly, if you trade him, that's what you're doing. If you're going to trade anybody, it's Cat and it's Mike Conley. Those are the only two guys you can trade right now because Cat, you're getting what you deserve back. You are. You're getting it back. And that's the only player you're going to get back what you deserve for, man. <clears throat> I think they're going to give it a go and see what happens. I think Ant-Man takes a humongous leap. I've said that every year. Um, this time it's kind of different because he even talked about it in these press conferences about being around Spolstra and Steve Kerr and these winning coaches and learning how to win. And he said it made an impact on him. And I believe him because Anthony Edwards is very candid. If anything, Anthony Edwards is super athletic and candid. That's what he is. He is honest, brutally honest, and he's just ant all the time. And I believe his ass. That that should have affected him for real. And I can't wait to see what ends up happening with that. I would love to see what happens. Because I think he is a generational talent. And I still hold my opinion. Other than Wimben Yama now. Because that guy's fucking nuts. Anthony Edwards has the highest ceiling in basketball. I'm still standing by my statement I made two years ago. I stand by it. He has the highest ceiling in basketball. Period. So Minnesota is going to end up being that six to eight seed again because they do have a talented team. They got one of the greatest big man shooters ever statistically in Carl Anthony Towns. I just think the the same problems are going to be the same problems this year. You can't fix it. You can't fix Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert being on the floor at the same time. You can't. Anything athletic with a fast twitch in their body is blowing past those guys, man. So that's the problems I see for the T-Wolves, and I still think they're a playoff team. Or what is this, team number five, six, something like that? The Lakers. Yeah, I think the Lakers are really good. I think they are better than last year because Austin Reeves is taking a little jump offensively. I think they have a lot of chemistry in this, this team where they're going to have a whole year of Jared Vanderbilt, whole year of Austin Reeves playing like this and knowing when his spots are, what lineups it's time for him to go go hard in. You know what I'm saying? Then they bring in guys like a Torian Prince, like a Jackson Hayes, who I think isn't really being talked about. Gabe Vincent from the Heat. Christian Wood off the street. Oh, shit. Don't give me these bars, boy. I'm about to eat. Give me a B. Ooh, you ain't even peeped. Uh, don't let me. Don't make me spit an eight. I've been telling y'all, don't make me get the 16s going on here. All right? That's facts. But this is a year that I think I tweeted this a hundred times. No, I didn't. I just tweeted it. Lakers fans raged at me. That deal for D'Angelo Russell, tweeted it whenever it happened. That is a prove it deal. That is a, hey, you worth this, prove it. Or it's a, and I said, I don't think he'll be there for the whole year. Or he is traded immediately after this year. So I don't think D'Angelo Russell is going to be on this team the whole year, but either way, he has chemistry with these guys. And if he stays the whole year, I have to assume. I don't like him in the playoffs. I think you have to rely on a guy like Gabe Vincent in the playoffs rather than D'Lo. I think Gabe's a better defender. I think Gabe's shot selection is 
uh, much more friendly to stars like LeBron and AD and guys who actually want to get shots. And even a guy, not a star, a guy like Austin Reeves, who likes the ISO ball, who likes to get to the cup. I think Gabe Vincent fits in well with that because I saw it with the Heat. He's a perfect fit for the Lakers to me. Right? You saw the growth of Rui Hachimura. Do I think that's going to keep going? I don't know. I don't think so. When LeBron's healthy, go look at the tape. I know we're in year 21. It's impossible that they're contenders. AD was AD in the playoffs, man. He was. He was hooping. And yes, the Nuggets series looked really fucking bad. It did. It was bad. But the Nuggets did that to fucking everybody. Like, the Nuggets were mopping the floor with everybody. You could not stop them. So if you're going to take the Nuggets series and make that the expectation and how you see this team, that's your point of view, that's a very flawed perspective. Because now you would think the Heat are dog shit. You would think Jimmy Butler's a bum, which I do. I do after that finals. But yeah, it's just like, if you're judging them off that, that Nuggets series, sure. But I think they're going to know how to implement Jared Vanderbilt better, where his spots are. How is AD working at the five? Is that really going to happen? Is that really going to work out well for them? I don't know. How is Christian Wood going to fit in here? Because if Christian Wood doesn't, doesn't figure it out mentally and professionally with LeBron James, he might be out of the league. Now, he might go to a lottery team or whatever and get some bench minutes, but for what he should be, Christian Wood last year did not play. His team gave up on him. They dislike him. He thinks he is a ISO ball king. He is 17 and 7, guys. He's 17 and 7. Like, Christian Wood is a very skilled basketball player. Now, him having, what, five stops in four years, something like that, four stops in four years, you obviously see how people think about him, but it doesn't take away from his talent. He can score and shoot. He can. This team takes a jump. I think they can go back to the Western Conference Finals. I do. Health with AD and Braun, that's a thing. It just is. But even with that, I think they have a better lineup and they're well better positioned to actually be functional without those guys. I do. Jackson Hayes is a good player, man. Young athletic center. I like him. Torian Prince is a ball player. He's had injury issues up and down, not getting minutes, getting minutes. He's a 3 and D guy. Cam Reddish, I don't want to talk about Cam Reddish. He's the breakout guy every single year. But, yeah, I think the Lakers are a very good basketball team that can make some noise. And I know Max Christie is the guy that we're looking at if you're a Lakers fan. Like, ooh, what is he? I don't know. I, I feel much more confident in the Lakers' ability to win a title this year than I did last year. I don't think they're a full-blown contender. But I think they can make some noise in the playoffs because guess what? That's how they're built. They're built to be a playoff team. Big, strong, paint-heavy. That's how they play. And now they threw in a little bit of shooting. Give you a Gabe Vincent. Give you a Torian Prince, who I don't know what his his role is in the rotation, but toss him in there. If you need to Christian Wood can shoot the ball. Like that's what I'm saying. They're just adding little guys in there that can get 12 to 15 to 20 minutes. Certain nights if foul trouble happens, whatever that 
it'll be okay. They can last. All right. On to the team that lost to the Lakers, the Golden State Warriors. We know I'm not the biggest Golden State fan. Okay. But this team has added Chris Paul. They haven't really added anything else. Now they got Dario Saric. Ooh, that's a guy that's going to blow up on their team somehow. But this is the thing with the Warriors. This is their go for it all last year to me. Clay hasn't looked right. And once again, you can sit on that one to two month stretch that he had. He hadn't looked right since he came back. Draymond's getting old. Steph is just older, all time great, but he's older. CP3 is he's borderline retiring after this year. They got a lot of young guys coming up. Kaminga, Moses Moody. They bring back Gary Payton the second. Looney, like, I don't know. I don't like that. They're going to make the playoffs because they're the Warriors to me. That's why. And y'all know how I felt about them when they won the title. I did not think they were that good of a team. I hate to say it. They lose Jordan Poole, a guy who is making up for Steph's lost time a lot of the times. And I know from the playoffs and all that, getting shit on, that can't be your perspective of a player. I understand where you're getting it from, but that can't be your perspective because what he brought to that team was much more important than what he took away from it. You think Jordan Poole was the reason they were going to lose that series versus the Lakers? No. It's because they could get to the paint whenever they fucking wanted to. AD was going to average 30 and 10, whatever he did, for the whole series anyways. Because that's that's what happens, because they're tiny. They don't have the athleticism to stay with guys. And that's why Gary, bringing Gary Payton II in is a big deal, because that was their premier defender Andrew Wiggins is a premier defender miss a lot of time like that's a big deal I just don't see it Iggy's gone for the leadership I'm not saying that's a humongous deal but in organizations like the Warriors a guy like that can keep a locker room together when it's crumbling I think the Warriors are going to be decent I think by the playoffs when they come you're going to be like some people are going to hold on are going to hold on to the Warriors being the, the the great Warriors that they were with Kevin fucking Durant. And they're going to hold on to the championship DNA. And then they're going to realize like, oh, the team just isn't good. Just like last year, the team was not good. They weren't. Uh, I think Wiggins is going to make a big difference. I think Kaminga could take a little jump, but I just don't see them being a real contender. All right. I guess so this is where I uh, insert uh, my Clippers take. Right, they're the Clippers. Same old, same old. Next team. All right, Pelicans, man. I'm dead serious. I'm not talking about the Clips. I'm not. I think they will, their coach will always will them to the playoffs or the play-in. I have no opinion on their two best players. There's no point of talking about them. Kawhi, he's great in the playoffs. Cool. PG, he's great. He's smooth. He's awesome. Ooh, his ball handling and shooting. Oh, he's great. Oh, my God. I don't care. They don't play. And I hate to tell you, I don't respect that shit. I've told y'all a hundred times on this podcast, I dislike James Harden because he willingly gives up. He willingly does not play. I don't give a fuck what Kawhi is talking about, about I wasn't healthy. Bro, there, there's no way you're unhealthy for 50 games. 
and then play four and then you're unhealthy again and then play five and then you're unhealthy. Like, no, you're load managing. It's fine. I just don't care to talk about it. They're going to be the fucking six seed and losing the first round again because your best players tear their ACLs. You ever think they tear their ACL because their body isn't conditioned to play full-time because they hadn't played full-time in a fucking three years? You ever think about that? Has anybody ever talked about that? That his body's not probably prepared to play a full-time playoff basketball game off fucking 10 games of regular season play? Does anybody ever talk about that shit? I said I wasn't talking about the Clippers. Pelicans. One of the more interesting teams. I want to keep raining on that shit because that shit pisses me off. The way people talk about Kawhi pisses me off. Fucker's going to end his career with 7,000 points. He's one of the greatest small fours we've ever seen. Okay, he's the Penny Hardaway of this generation. Get over it. Pelicans, Hunter. Pelicans, fuck. Pelicans, Willie Green. Zion. Brandon Ingram. CJ McCollum. Fucking Larry Nance Jr., Jonas Valanciunas, Jose Alvarez, Herb Jones. Like, these guys have a roster. Will Zion play? Will Zion fucking play? We're begging him to. Because 114 games through four years isn't cutting it for me personally. I don't know about y'all. I don't know if it's cutting it for y'all either. Um... This is the year where it's time to make or break Zion because he is such a generational talent. And I'm not saying he can't come back from this and ball out. It's 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 for me time to make or break my give a fuck meter on Zion. Do I care about him anymore? Because yes, he is 28 points per game on 65% shooting. He is incredible. He can jump out the gym. He can do it all. I just don't have time to sit here and go like, yo, the Pelicans man sleeper because I'm not going to do what the national guys do where I have to touch on that team. I ain't got to touch shit. I don't have to touch on Zion and them. They can be out the window because the thing is, if he plays, they're going to be one of the best teams in the fucking West again. If he plays top four seed, most of the, what for the first 20 something games, something like that. They had a run there. Where it was like, oh shit, Zion's playing, they're getting stuff going. I just don't know what to think about it. And the thing is, I want it, I want Zion to be healthy because I always say this when that fucking star goes down, you know what happens? Trey Murphy gets to step up and show what he's worth. Najee Marshall actually showed some shooting capabilities and he can play ball. You see these guys step in and hoop. Brandon Ingram really, to me, is that X factor as well because if he stays healthy and Zion is eh through the whole year, that's a game changer, man. Guys, because the lineup, I mean, dude, CJ McCollum, Herb Jones, Zion, Brandon Ingram, and Jonas Valanciunas is one of the most balanced lineups in the NBA. Just balanced. And you got Jose coming off the bench being scrappy. You got Trey Murphy coming off the bench. High flyer, can score, can defend. Like, Herb Jones is one of the best perimeter defenders in basketball right now. Can lock anybody up. Zion is Zion. B.I. is B.I. Like, these guys are them. C.J. McCollum has been a bucket since he walked into the league. But I'm not going to worry about this shit if Zion ain't playing, man. That's how much of a factor he is, though. 
He makes me care or not care about the team. I have no interest in them at all if they're not healthy, and that's why it's hard for me to put them in my top 10, 11, 12, whatever they are. It's hard for me to do it. It is because they're just like the next team is so different from them because their their star player plays every game, and he's missing the other pieces. OKC is one of the biggest cases of is it time for their jump? Their playoff jump. I don't think they're going to go to the Western Conference Finals. But if you look at their roster, guys, SGA, Josh Giddy, the one Jalen Williams, Chet Holmgren, Lou Dort, the other Jalen Williams from Arkansas, Trey Mann, Isaiah Joe, Aaron Wiggins, like these guys can hoop and they're all babies. They can hoop. I just think they're dynamic. Dynamic as fuck. Lou Dort has become on some nights a weapon offensively like what's happening i don't understand sga rose to all pro status all nba status jalen williams not the one from arkansas is looking like a legit nba score off rip chet holmgren i mean we just saw the matchup with him and Wimbenyama. chet holmgren is that dude man if he stays healthy which is such a big if right it's like saying if the clippers stay healthy well we're waiting the Clippers, fuck it. The Clippers are like the guy who's been with a girl for seven years and all he's heard every time he has dinner with her parents is like, man, you really got to get her a ring. When is the ring coming? And then you just keep promising the ring. You just keep promising. And then she gives you an ultimatum of the ring and then it all falls apart. That's literally the Clippers organization, bro. That's their organization. All right. Okay. This OKC is puppy love. Everybody's in love with them. Oh, it's the most, oh, they're in the honeymoon phase the whole time they're together for the first three months. But then that could grow into a marriage. That's a one night stand waiting to get married right there. That is a fucking flash in the pan team that could turn into a whole season of just fireworks, man. Like I said, they have variety of scoring at every level. Lou Dort becomes a sniper somehow. SGA is just a bucket averaging 30, bro. It's not like he's the in the 25 club. 30 every night. 30. Josh Giddy, a triple-double machine. Jalen Williams, a specialized athletic scorer. Then the other Jalen Williams from Arkansas with a Y coming off the bench, being a dime guy, being a dude that can take charges, which he did the whole year at Arkansas that he played. Every year he played for Arkansas, he's a, he led the team in uh, charges drawn. He can dish it out. He can shoot a little bit. I don't know about in the NBA. He's not shooting that well in the NBA. And then Chet, and a three-level scorer in the post that can block shots. Like Isaiah Joe, a sniper. Trey Mann. A lot of y'all don't know who Trey Mann is. Dude, if he was on any other team, <laughs> a lot of publicity. A lot. So those are my teams from the West. All right. I know that took a while, but we're going to do the same thing for the East, baby. Let's get it. To the East. Man, this one's a lot easier to me to pick the teams because there's no real surprises. I think a lot of teams here got better. I mean, maybe Indiana is a surprise to y'all, and I'll talk about them in a little bit, but to me it's not. Um, let's start with Boston, who I think has been crowned the favorite now by a lot of people. I think Boston media owns the space. Um, if you want me to be honest, I could see Boston losing to anybody, and here's why. All right, so what did Boston have that was so interesting last year? Other than every analytic and advanced metric just going in their favor. 
Because when you watch Boston play, you see how they're bombing away at the beginning of the season. Start off crazy hot because they have what? Versatility. Nine to ten guys that can come in and give you minutes. They had Marcus Smart lost him. Grant Williams lost him. Robert Williams lost him. Malcolm Brogdon lost him. Where did their versatility go? What versatility do you see with this roster? Because, okay, let's talk about the starting lineup. Oh, me, oh, my. Drew Holiday, Derek White, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Porzingis. Porzingis health already. Red flag. You have a 38, 37-year-old Al Horford as your backup. What else do you have? Because that's the difference. On the bench lineup, you could have a Grant Williams, a Malcolm Brogdon, a Marcus Smart, or a Derek White. Robert Williams to control the paint. You had all these different options when you were rotating Jalen and Jason Tatum. You had other playmakers. Everybody could take it off the bounce. Everybody could shoot. They have lost all of that. They have lost all their toughness, all their shit talk, all their grit. Drew Holiday's a great defender. Is he a shit talker? No. Derek White, great defender. He's one of the most fucking most kind guys in the league. He's not talking shit to anybody. So what do you have now? You have Peyton Pritchard, Luke Cornett, Sam Hauser playing minutes for you, bro. Go look at their rotation. I got the depth chart right here. Other than the starting five, you have Peyton Pritchard, Sam Hauser, uh, Luke Cornett, Al Horford, C. Malachalik, Lamar Stevens, O'Shea Brissett. That's their fucking lineup. Jay Scrub, probably his last name. Delano Banton, J.D. Davidson, Jordan Walsh from Arkansas. What the fuck are we looking at here? Because that was the problem when you faced Boston. When the bitch lineup came in, you said, God damn it. There's no drop off. And now to start, dude, the rotation is going to be a mess for Joe Missoula, who everybody already thinks doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. It's going to be a fucking mess. What backline defense do you have? Porzingis is great at, at defending the paint. When he's not on the floor, Al Horford is not that anymore, man. What do you have back there on your backline? How are you stopping somebody from getting into the paint? And mostly, since we want to talk about contenders, we'll get to the Bucks after this. How are you stopping a dude like Giannis? Brooke Lopez, even, with Porzingis not out there. A Bobby Portis, who isn't, a post player in the NBA, but makes plays in the post. And he's obviously a three-point shooting specialist at this point. He's more of a, a microwave guy off the bench, being sixth man of the year and stuff, um, a candidate at least. And I just want to know where your depth is because that's what killed you with the Celtics. No matter what lineup they had, all five could beat you. They're missing that completely this year. Very, very badly, man. And I think it's going to be a real problem for them. I really do. I truly do. And, and it's and once again, I, when I say these things, I mean over the course of a season. I'm not saying Boston's going to be the seven seed. But if one dude rolls their ankle and is out for a month, you're talking about Peyton Pritchard starting, Sam Hauser starting, Al Horford starting. I don't know if you like that proposition as a Boston fan. Now, to the Bucs. And the Celtics were already mentally weak 
they have no mental toughness. KP gave up on the Mavericks. He gave up on the Knicks. Jason Tatum will go missing. He hurt his shoulder and gave up on the game. Jalen Brown is a fucking head case of a basketball player. Drew Holiday got, I, I'm putting 40 on your head and didn't do anything about it. And then Derek White, please. The ups and downs of Derek White are hysterical, even though last year it seemed to be neutralized. The year before that in the fucking Eastern Conference Finals, insane. All right. I'm just saying, when the going gets rough, there was different guys when somebody didn't have it, you could plant in the rotation. They have lost that luxury. That is a luxury, guys. Now, to the next team, the Bucks. Dame, Chris Middleton, Malik Beasley, Giannis, and Brooke. You got Robin Lopez. You got Bobby Portis. You got Jay Crowder, who seems washed as fuck. Pat Connaughton and Cameron Payne, man. Champagne, Cam Payne, right? This team looks weird to me, too. I just think it's, I don't know how you beat them. And I know, bro, they're going to they're gonna miss him on defense, Drew Holiday. Sure, okay. But what if I told you that Chris Middleton would play, I don't know, 55 to 60 games next year? He'd still miss almost 30 games. You think they're improved defensively? Because I do. And they were the one seed last year, and he he basically didn't play in the regular season. They had Drew Holiday as their number two option on offense. And they were the one seed. They almost won 60 games. Brooke Lopez was hurt almost the whole year. They won 60 games. What the fuck are we talking about? They have Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard. And that's the difference here. Um, also, if you're my dog eating in the background, I apologize. But that's the thing is that you're not relying on Drew Holiday to be your second best scorer. You're relying on fucking Dame Lillard. What do we say? It's, it's, that is a humongous difference. That's all I can say. You're talking about what a top three offensive basketball player alive? Just from a shot making standpoint, just from what he did last year's standpoint, coming off of the best year of his career. I, I think the Bucks are the favorite in my eyes. I think they are. I mean, I don't know who the fuck is beating the Bucks, considering they are always in the one seed. They are always in the championship talks because they have Giannis. And without any other star, he has continuously been pretty successful in the playoffs. I'm not going to say really successful. I shouldn't even say successful anyways for how good he is, but he's got a title out of it, okay? Now, the team to me who had the most underrated, untalked about, offseason was the Cleveland Cavaliers. Darius D. Mitch, they add Max Struess. They have Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. Now, if Evan Mobley doesn't show me some resemblance of an offensive game this year, that ceiling that we all, the people in the know project, it's gone. I mean, he is... He is Shaq from the three-point line. It's horrible to watch him shoot. This bitch eating is distracting me. I like Ty Jerome. I like Ricky Rubio. I like Karis coming off the bench. Okoro. Amani Bates is nice. They go and get Niang. Like, what they were missing last year was some shooters. And Jared Allen got dog-walked by Mitchell Robinson. I don't know if you can fix that. 
I hope Jared Allen takes that on the chin and comes back better, more aggressive. Stop being such a smiley, nice guy. Am I pulling a Dwight Howard on him, who is one of my all-time favorite players? I don't know. I just think that they are in position to not have an Okoro out there at all times, to not have Karis LeVert being a necessity to be a, a second, third scorer. Because they have a Max Struess. And it sounds so stupid, but that that one little wrinkle, that one wrinkle of a, a real role player who knows his role like Max Struess, and I'm not bigging him up because he was on the heat. It's not even about his shooting ability. It's about not being Karis LeVert in your starting lineup. And he may end up in their starting lineup, which I think would be a mistake. And I think that would change the next in the through the course of the season. Max Struess is a guy that comes in. It makes a difference because he knows his role. Karis LeVert is out there just shooting bullshit, man. Honestly. And that little wrinkle can make the biggest difference because now you can have Evan Mobley at the five with Okoro at the four, Max at the three, and then the other two guards. Or you can bring in a Dean Wade to have some shooting here and there throughout the season. You're not going to play that guy in the regular season but or through, in the playoffs. But there's some lineups here that you can have fun with, mostly just because you got some depth at that forward position. That was the biggest thing they needed was a guy that could shoot and who knew his role. And not having a Coro play these extended long minutes, or when he wasn't Karis Levert playing extended long minutes. And I just think Amani Bates is gonna be a steal. I think he's gonna be a very good player. Um, but yeah, Cleveland isn't in that contender care, uh, category, and I think D. Mitch is out of there when his contract's up, or he's going to ask for a trade at the end of this year. Um, I don't think that's where he wanted to be. And then Miami was right back in the sweepstakes, had to turn it into a Miami thing. Number four, a team that is a star away from being a champion, a real championship contender, is the the Brooklyn Nets. Man, Dinwiddie, Mikael Bridges, DFS, Cam Johnson, Claxton. Man, they bring in Lonnie Walker. This team is just so long pause and so good on defense. And Ben Simmons, man, hey, let's give the guy some credit. He looked way different in the preseason. He had a drive from half court. Come in and try to poster that shit. And I was like, huh? Maybe he said, fuck these motherfuckers. You know what I mean? I'm going in. I'm going in. I'm going in. I'm going in. Um, and I'm a ball hog, and I'm a ball. Anyways, Lonnie Walker, I don't know what that really is. He had the one game against Golden State where he was coming in cooking. Royce O'Neal is an old washed-up man. That's a 3 and D guy. I think they take a step back, actually, even though I think Mikhail takes a step forward into what we kind of saw a glimpse of last year. I think Mikhail Bridges, I mean, goddamn. Goddamn. He showed that he is a star, a superstar in the making. And I think he's got, he's going to take that step. But I just see like them taking a little, uh, something something to me just says this can't be it. Cam Johnson's a great player. Um, and it's a, the biggest question mark ever. Like Ben Simmons, Ben fucking Simmons. If he's, because we always go, yo, if they could play high low with Ben if Ben could run the show with those guys, like, uh, but can he? Will he? 
And that's a guy I've given up on. Like I'm one year away from Zion. Like if he plays and he's healthy, I know what Ben Simmons is. And that's the problem. A lot of y'all hate what Ben Simmons is when he's healthy because y'all are just going off what Twitter's saying. When Ben Simmons is healthy and on the court, he is the best defender on the planet. And he is a 15, 8 and 8 guy. All right. He's a 6'11 Drew Holiday, is what he really is. Like legit 6'10, at least Drew Holiday. That's what he is. But a way worse shooter, obviously. Okay. Um, but yeah, the Nets are quite interesting. I just I don't see them being in the picture late in the season. Another uh franchise from New York, the Knicks. I fucking hate your fans. I hate them. Like with a passion. I fucking hate them. Um, I think this team is one of those teams where you go like how are they not better than what they are? Because when you really look at their lineup, like do you obviously know the RJ, um, Brunson and Julius Randle? But then you got Quentin Grimes. Then you got um fuck Mitchell. Mitchell Robinson. <laughs> God damn, I'm an idiot. It, it was coming to me, dude. I'm, I'm over here trying to freestyle. You got IQ. They get Dante DiVincenzo. They got Josh Hart. They're trying to bring back the Villanova. All right. They're trying to bring back Villanova Wildcats. Is that their mascot? They're trying to bring back the Nova squad. Um, Evan Fournier, Ian Hartenstein. Like, when you look at the roster, you're like, damn, bro. How the fuck are y'all not getting past the second round in the playoffs? Well, it's because the East is super top heavy, man. It just is. And they ran into fucking the Miami Heat last year. And I don't really have anything on the Knicks. I think they're going to be the same team that they always are. The same team that a Tom Thibodeau coach team has been since 2010. You're going to get to the second round of the playoffs. Your, your best players are going to be hurt because they've played 46 minutes every night during the regular season thinking that this seeding shit matters when it doesn't. The seeding does not matter, man. Home court is cool. I get it. I just, during the regular season, I don't give a fuck about seeding. If I got the better players than you, being on the road ain't going to matter to me. To me. That's just me, though. All right? Because if home if home court matters that much, right, and we're talking about talent, and I know you're talking about when the teams are even, it's a neutralizer, it's a neutral uh, uh, matchup, and then the home court could push a team over the top, sure. But if the Knicks can't get past the second round, for how long? And what do we say every time the Knicks make the playoffs? Electric atmosphere. Electric atmosphere, bro. I don't give a fuck. And quit tweeting about Jimmy Butler, Knicks muse. You bum bitch. Tweet about your great player in Jalen Brunson. Tweet about him. That's fucking awesome. He's amazing. He can score. Drop some more tweets about Julius Randle's bum ass. How about that? How about drop some tweets about how R.J. Barrett is disrespected by your franchise when he's a walking 20-piece? Tweet about how Tom Thibodeau refuses to play young players and doesn't let them get their shit off like IQ or like Obi Toppin wanting to get the fuck out right when he came in the building. When Obi Toppin actually looked like a good NBA player, he wasn't getting played. What a fucking coinkadink. God damn, man. Fuck the Knicks. All right, to my squad. 
All right. See, this is a simple run through. I'm just going through rosters, thinking what I think their flaws are and stuff, man. Um, the Heat. Um, yeah, I mean, we didn't get Dame. Is it is it my time to talk about it? Do I need to talk about it? Uh, it hurt bad, you know? Uh, yeah, it hurt. It fucking sucked, honestly. <clears throat> Mostly when I'm at work and the shitter. Um, and then I see it, and I'm just like, it's 2 o'clock. I got two and a half hours left. Like, God damn. This is going to be the worst two and a half hours of my life because I thought it was a done deal, and it wasn't. And I almost respect Portland, but I don't because Cronin's a cunt. Um, and I know, see, this is why I can never get big. So I'm never going to get big is because I say, uh, I want to be professional, but I'm calling general managers cunts. That's what I do. And that's okay. Uh, he wanted to be a little baby back bitch. Another reason why I won't get big. And he didn't want to call us back. He didn't like the offer. He didn't want to negotiate. He said, not good enough. We're going to sit this one out for about two more months. The temperature is going to calm down. Players aren't going to control us, man, which is fine. You know, I respect it. Um, unless your player... It's been the only, um, I don't know, beam of light that you've had the last 20 years plus, uh, and you bailed out on him when he actually had a team that could make it to a conference final with LaMarcus Aldridge, Nicholas Batum in his prime, Wesley Matthews in his prime, C.J. McCollum, a young C.J. McCollum. You got rid of his homie, right? You got rid of all his homies. You left him stranded on an island. He still got you to the Western Conference Finals basically by his fucking self, right? Alfaruka Minu was like his third best player, right? Myers Leonard was playing real minutes. Like this is what oops, I mean, what the fuck are we talking about? But you don't want to respect him. That's fine. And then blame it on what the agent said. Have some fucking shame, bum. And the, the deal would have been you would have got another pick from the Heat. I'm not gonna talk about it. Well, even with the Drew sign and trade or trade for trade over whatever the fuck it's called, the, the trade bonanza, whatever the fuck you want to call it, deal, you still would have got another pick from the Heat. Um, but you got DeAndre Ayton, you would have got him already. Am I done? I'm done. To the Heat. Think we we are what we were last year, man. We didn't add anything crazy. I think the leap that jo Jovic will, is going to take <clears throat> will prove the, the Blazers will, are idiots, right? I don't think that. That's what you want me to think? I don't think that. I think Jovic is going to be a playable rotation piece this year. Because, guys, you don't see dudes like Jovic, and this is the heat, so it's a whole different organization. It's a whole different situation. They don't play you till you are absolutely ready to play at your fullest ability, and that is a fact. All right? Haywood Highsmith, really good basketball player. Do I think he's a, a impactful player? Not really. I don't get the Caleb Martin hype, guys. I'll ask you again, other than one fucking series, what did he do? What did he do for 82 games? He was the starter until the all-star or the, the trade deadline. Correct. We get Kevin Love. He starts most of the games. He started every game up into that point. He averaged the same amount of points on six four minutes a game. He's our best shooters, which isn't good. We still got K Love. He's old as fuck. We had Josh Richardson, who hasn't been shit since we had him. I understand eight-year-old Kyle Lowry. All right. He's good for twerking in Miami. I don't want him as my fucking point guard, man. I don't. 
We signed Thomas Bryant. That signing, that one, very interested. And you're like, what the fuck? This guy, this guy just shit on every Heat fan for hyping everybody up. Well, let me tell you something, bro. I'm hyping Thomas up. He's the only capable backup center we've ever had that can score. Because one thing Thomas Bryant can do, like, everybody can deny that he's he's good at basketball. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he can score. He can score the basketball. That's a fact. Still got Duncan. Still got K-Love. Like, all this shit. Hero is coming for a revenge season. I think Hero is going to have his best year ever. I think he's going to average his most points ever. Um... And despite what Heat fans are saying on Twitter, I would say I am with the public that Tyler Hero does not want to be in Miami right now. He is not happy. He has been, he is like in a Jalen Brown situation. He's in every trade discussion. Every last rumor he has been a part of. He's like, bro, y'all are sitting here saying y'all rely on me, but you want to give me away so easy. And I'm the only one getting talked about. Nobody else. Why am I the only one getting picked? And it's off on, off on. And have you, did y'all even see any of these interviews? Have y'all seen the way he looks at practice or at the pressers? Tyler was usually like super smiley, joking around at these press conferences or media scrums, whatever you want to call them. This motherfucker is upset. He's very monotone in his interviews when he's talking about the whole situation. I get he could just be irritated about the situation, but there's some deeper irritation than that. Because on one side, Pat and them are telling him that he's a valuable piece. He's still a young dude. You think he does? he's not taking it personal? You think he actually realizes that this shit is a business? That motherfucker's, what, 23, 24? You think he actually realizes that? I doubt it. I doubt it. So to just deny that he's not happy, they asked him, "Are you? do you feel wanted in Miami? You know what a happy person would say? Absolutely. Yes. You know what he said? I don't feel not wanted. What? Like, what the fuck are y'all talking about, man? He's obviously upset. This team is going to be what we were last year. We're going to rely on the three a lot. Jimmy's going to miss fucking 30 games. Bam's going to sit there, and he's going to go on a stretch of averaging 24 for two months, and then somehow he gets a week-long break, and he forgets how to shoot jumpers, and then we're going to be right back in the same spot. I'm not going to talk about fucking RJ fucking Hampton or Cole Swider. Eat one. 17. All right, let's get to this, because this is a big talking point for me. The Philly roster... Because obviously we're expecting some turnover here. But if Harden goes, which it seems inevitable that he's not going to play, we get it. Um, You want me to just shit on him real quick? He said he's not done yet. Like, are you, do you think you're fucking Saul? I don't. Do you want to play a game? Bro, You. this is a profession. I. I think we've lost sight of that. This is a profession. You need to show up to work to get paid. Like, this shit is insane, and I'm not one to make it, oh, if it was me at my job doing this, that's fucking stupid. That's not even comparable. But I'm saying, like, bro, can you deal with this in some professional manner at all? And I know we forget that James Harden isn't, we look at him like he's a 45-year-old man, bro. He's not even his mid-30s. He's in his mid-30s. 
he's still kind of an immature human being, probably. <laughs> like he isn't the most mature guy. He's made hundreds of millions of dollars in his career, and he's missed out on hundreds of millions of dollars in the past couple years. And Daryl Morey kind of swindled him. And they're close. And I bet James, Daryl said what he said. James Harden heard a different thing or vice versa. It was probably just a miscommunication and he took it personal. But now we are looking at the Grim Reaper in its face. If you are Philadelphia, you are one year away from going back to where you were. I hate to tell you, you're at the perfect point of P.J. Tucker being old, of Tobias Harris being a salary dump, Tyrese Maxey not getting extended and being a young star, Joel Embiid getting into his 30s and not being happy with not being to an Eastern Conference final yet. And he can blame everybody but himself. And that's what superstars do. And then you got James Harden fucking fiddle farting around over here. I don't know what you want me to say. Like, that's what you're looking at here. I mean, if you looked at the fucking construction of this roster and you just take out Joel Embiid, and I know that's an important part, but if you took out Joel Embiid and you told me you had P.J. Tucker, Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, Pat Bev, Kelly Oubre, Daniel House, D'Anthony Melton, and Danny Green, what does that scream to you? That is screaming rebuild. That is screaming contracts to give out. That is screaming trade me for shit. Y'all call me for shit. Taking a chance on a guy like Mo Bamba. Paying Paul Reed as a backup center. Keeping Montrez Harrell on the books. You are pleading for a fucking re trade me. You're begging for it. Because after this year, if you don't extend Maxi, what's going to happen? He might love Philly, but when he looks in that locker room and don't see shit that he knows next to him, not a single player that he knew next to him, what is he going to do? Joel can fucking do the humpy shit. He got the MVP, all that. What is he? He has to start thinking about his legacy at some point. That's why he went for the MVP so hard, no? Like, they're looking the Grim Reaper in their face. And they're in a bad spot because I don't know if you can recover. And what did Nick Nurse do when he came into Toronto? Man, what did he do? He built a young core. Yes, they added Kawhi. He built a core of players that really was, uh, uh, and he patched it together. They won a championship. I don't think Nick Nurse can put duct tape over whatever is left when Joel leaves. Because if they don't get to like the East, it doesn't matter at this point to me. Because that's what everybody's go-to is. Yo, it's the way you lose. So if Joel Embiid loses a game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals, he's staying? I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. And the Harden thing, like, do I really need to go in on this again? We get it, Hunter. We get it.
But to evaluate the roster <laughs> after I just destroyed them, I apologize. I was looking up the Joel Embiid win-loss shit. Their total record with Joel Embiid the last five years is 243-110. and 110. He has had one season in the games that he has played where he has not won at least 65% of his games, and he won 62% of his games. So he's incredible. But Philly has become now, it isn't a, a Knicks where like they're happy with a first round playoff series win, right? We've done that. Every time we get to the second round with Philly, we're like, here we go again. And if they get to the next step, is that really that much growth? Honestly, like if, if getting to the fucking conference finals is your big mountain decline, that is not good when you have the MVP, a top five impactful player on the planet. One of those guys that if any other team has them, just like y'all, they're doing anything in their power to build a championship team around them. You know? And I don't think Joel played his best basketball in the playoffs, but we've seen that too many times. But the addition of Pat Bev, let's get into it. The addition of Pat Bev, and this all depends on the James Harden trade. That's why evaluating their roster really isn't that much of a talking point because their roster can be flipped on its head. They may get two players out of this. They may get one player. Either way, that player is going to be more reliable than James Harden to show up to work and give a fuck. And that makes a difference. A dude who is not going to put up 17 in the first half, get the crowd hype, ah, what's up, ah, and then come out the second half and start thinking about the fucking strip club after. Yo, where's the Henny, bro? I just put up 17 in the first half. Where's my Henny shots in the locker room? Fam, there's a whole nother half of the ball game to be played. You scored 17 in the first half. You ended with 21. And they fouled you twice so they could get the starters out, and you made four free throws. I don't understand. This is a mentally weak team. Pat Bev may help that. Kelly Oubre may help that. Believe it or not. I just, there's nothing worth evaluating here for their roster because I think it switches a lot by the time the season ends. So we're going to see how this James Harden thing pans out. And if they can get an adequate starter level player for him, they should be satisfied. Because, and and for Harden, I think he should tread lightly. I, I just I just saw media narratives going around about Russell Westbrook, who plays his fucking heart out every night, who goes out there and does nothing but play hard. I don't give, dude. His stats are his stats. He's an inefficient player. He has been since the day he walked into the league. Russell Westbrook goes out there and gives a hundred percent. And the media was saying, why would anybody want him? Carmelo Anthony was a couple shots away from being top 10 all-time in scoring and still was averaging 20 points, damn near 20 points on the Thunder. And then he got, what? Nothing in return because of his fucking mindset. He was out of the league. Russell Westbrook wasn't out of the league, but Russell Westbrook is getting paid $4 million a fucking year. 
Russell Westbrook is in the top 10 players I've seen in the last decade. So tread fucking lightly because if you want to give up on the game, it will give up on you first. It will take it away from you completely. You think giving up momentarily is cool. Well, they're not going to fucking give a shit about you at the end of the day. Because what's going to happen to James, unfortunately, is that he will be, he will, in the sentence, it will be, yo, James Harden's one of the greatest ISO players I've ever seen, but, but what? But what? Oh, he, he was the greatest guy ever at fucking bitching and fucking moaning. That's what. Blaming everybody but himself. Shot over fucking 40% in the playoff series like three times in his whole career. Get a fucking grip, dude. Get a grip. That shit pisses me off so much. Well, since I did 30 minutes on fucking Philly, let's get into the Orlando Magic, who I think, man, they're a team I'm going to pick every year because I got to see them more than everybody else as a Heat fan. Like, they're annoying as shit, and now they have talent. Franz is talented. Paulo is talented. Wendell Carter, Carter is one of the more underrated players in the league. I mean, I think he averaged 20 points a game last year. Paulo is Paulo. Markel Fultz, when healthy, is a baller, and if he's not healthy, they still have Cole Anthony, who was a spark off the bench. Do I want him as my starting full-time point guard? Nah, but that is what it is if it happens. They bring in Joe Ingles. I don't know what he's going to bring to this team. I truly don't. Maybe some veteran leadership. I don't know what else he could bring to this team. Jonathan Isaac, they've been begging him to play since he got in the league. And then uh, Franz's brother, Mo Wagner. Still got Jalen Suggs, who I think is showing potential defensively. But it's like I'm sitting there watching Magic games. But when I saw him, it's like his offensive game is so flawed. I, he just hasn't he hasn't really grown any in his offensive game. He's kind of like a, a my player, you know where it's like, damn, he has a lot of tools, but he just can't make three-pointers, and he misses a lot of easy ones. Ooh, I can't get the release down. My field goal percentage is bad. That's what Jalen Suggs literally plays like. I don't know how <laughs> to describe it other than that. Like, <laughs> he plays like a fucking my player with no badges. Um, But I'm with Pat Bev on, if you have two dudes in the top 100 with Franz Wagner and Paulo, two dudes in the top 50, I believe, why aren't you in the playoffs? Why aren't you close? Like, you got to get there. You got to get there. Um, Atlanta, same old, same old with me. I still think they're going to be in that, what, 7 to, to 11 range, 7 to 10 range. They're going to be in the playoffs because they have a great player in Trey, a great player in DeJounte Murray. Um, I think Sadiq Bay being in that rotation, very versatile defender, good shot maker. DeAndre Hunter's out there, Clint Capella, like, and then a Kung Wu, I don't know if they end up trading Capella. He's been in trade rumors for a minute. I don't know if they switch those guys out to go a little bit smaller, but the impact that Clint Capella has on the boards is something that they need with the shots that they take on that team. They got Wesley Matthews old and washed up. They got Patty Mills, good player. You got Bogdan Bogdanovich. He's been there for a minute. I don't really like him. Um, not as a person, as a player. Like, he's cool as a six-man every once in a while. But once again, I don't like those six-man type of guys. Like, every night. Like, Tyler Hero, you can go, that's Tyler Hero. No, it's not. Tyler Hero is a consistent scorer. Bogdanovich will have a night where he scores six on 17 shots. That ain't happening for T-Hero. It's not. 
and also I love AJ Griffin. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention them. I'm not going to talk about them because guess what? They're going to have the same issues they always have. They really will. Uh, and every time you look at their roster, you go, shouldn't this team be good? Like really good. And you go, yeah. And then they're not. So, and who knows? John Collins could be addition by subtraction. Um, Indiana, I think, is making the play in at least. They were, tw- they were 528 and 28 with Halliburton last year. Uh, yeah, he's that good. He's that fucking good. He is all NBA caliber point guard to me. That's how good Halliburton is. Uh, I think Benedict Matherin showed his ability to get to the hole. His free throw rate was insane last year. Um, and at one point, I think he was top five in free throw rate to start the year off when Hall- well, at the point where Halliburton got hurt and was missing all those games. Benedict Matherin came in and kind of showed like, nah, I'm kind of here. I'm kind of cold. And then they have Buddy Hield still. They have TJ McConnell off the bench. They have Bruce Brown. They have Miles Turner. They just got Obi Toppin. Like, we're talking about a roster that's kind of nice. And with Tyrese Halliburton, the more the merrier. The more capable bodies you have on the floor, the merrier. When I was watching the Indiana Pacers, it wasn't voluntary. I was watching somebody else. I was watching the Lakers, and then they hit a buzzer beater. I'd watch the Heat, and Tyrese Halliburton has fucking 36, 40, whatever the fuck he had, hitting nine threes on us. That's why I watched the Pacers. I wasn't sitting there watching them. When the Tyrese show came there, I was like, hey, yo. And I was watching. Trying to see how Miles Turner was playing because the Heat were in rumors for Miles Turner. And then Miles Turner got an extension. I was like, it's over. But I still watched them. But last year, they weren't worth watching at the end of the season. I think this year, they're going to be a pretty good team. They're going to be kind of fun to watch. I really do think that. Um, And then my last one. And I don't, I don't know how they don't make the playoffs, right? Because with Toronto, you have two Hall of Famers according to the trade market with OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, right, Zach Lowe? Like, from what I've been told from Zach Lowe is that we here, we have Dame Lillard in the flesh for OG Ananobi. Like, that's the trade package you're getting for fucking 18 points a game and can defend multiple positions. I heard that's what you get, so I don't know how I couldn't put Toronto in there. Mostly with guys like Dennis Schroeder and Malachi Flynn. What? As your point guard, hold on. Wait, they're going somewhere. Gary Trent? But OG Ananobi's the real blockbuster. Shut up. Because Pascal Siakam's going to be gone. OG Ananobi's going to be sitting there. And guess what? Guess what? You're not going to get the trade package you're looking for for OG and Anobi, so he's going to be sitting there getting empty calorie stats, and guess what? He might get a two- to four-point boost in points per game. He might. And you'll be lucky if he does, because then the trade will come through in the summer. But, yeah, fuck Toronto, too. They don't know the value of their players. Well, Zach Lowe doesn't. So that's kind of my preview. I really didn't go in deep with stats and stuff, because... Um, to me in the NBA, those fluctuate so much, there's no need to mention them. Like exact stats. Like, yo, they were the number one offense last year because, dude, all these rosters have kind of shape-shifted. You're not looking at the same teams, right? So that's what I had for you. I'm back again. We'll come back with a fantasy show on Tuesday or Wednesday. Really talk about the fantasy recap how your team's doing, how my team's doing. We'll talk about all of it. So without further ado, 
I'm out, bitch. Dude.